This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Strangers and Aliens, episode 118, Red Church Sermon Series, Way of the Warrior, part three. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. I am your father's best friend, Palmer. Superman. Wonder Woman. Heroes. Villains. Captain Picard versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did was that he created something. So we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Welcome to Strangers and Aliens, a podcast about pop culture and Christianity. I'm Ben Avery, and I am one of three hosts, and I'm also the only one of three hosts who's here to welcome you. Um, this is another in our sermon series from Dr. Jace's Red Church, and I am just here to quickly drop in and say that's what you're listening to, and here's what you can expect. <laughs> and honestly, well... I expected one thing and got another thing when I was listening to this one. So um, let me explain. Uh, the, the subject for this one is the way of submission. And uh, honestly, it, it's a, a topic that a lot of people don't talk about. And Dr. Jace kind of addresses that. And um, he addresses some of the dangers of people taking advantage of this idea of submission. But I, I'll also say this. Um, I found myself being a little bit more, um, what's the word, convicted maybe from some of his rabbit trails uh, where he he didn't go quite off topic, but he would kind of you know follow this topic in this way, and um, I found myself thinking about things that I wasn't expecting to think about in in the sermon considering the topic. Uh, I think it's a great sermon though, and one that honestly I think people do need to be thinking about, and it's 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 interesting. So that said, I'm going to go ahead and let Dr. Jace um, take it from here. From basically what we're doing here, you know, we're time traveling here. We're uh, we're going back in time, and sitting in in the red church, listening to Doctor Jace tell some some, story, some tell some stories and make some points uh, about just living a a life more like Christ. So um, we're gonna go ahead and play that now. I'm gonna roll the tape, as they say, as I say. Yeah. In the movie Avengers. How many have seen that movie? Yes, most people. You have a group of superheroes. Now, most of them are used to fighting on their own. You have Thor, you have Iron Man, you have the Hulk, uh, and it introduces several other characters. And, you know, they're in their own stories, usually the main person, the main guy or gal. You know, they have their own, you know, action figures and, you know, fast food deals. I mean, they're big stuff. But yet... They come together in this film to fight together. And, you know, that's not always easy. And that's, uh, in the film, they, they kind of highlight one of those areas. You have Iron Man, 
who is used to doing his own thing. He's kind of cocky and arrogant, a bit on the narcissistic side, used to doing, you know, what he wants. And there's this conflict between him and Captain America because Captain America, you know, he gives and he follows orders. He's a straight arrow. So they're like oil and water, and they don't necessarily get along. But one of my favorite parts in the films is when towards the end, Iron Man says to Captain America, call the plays. And Captain America steps in to his natural position, and he calls the plays. And then all of a sudden, you have all these powerful individuals who come together and become something even more powerful together than they are apart. In our lives, we often want to call the shots. You know, we're not necessarily comfortable with other people telling us what to do. But like in this movie, when we actually partner with and allow other people to speak into our lives, we can become stronger than we can by ourselves. Today, we're going to be talking about a topic that can be controversial, mainly because it's abused, but there's an actual very healthy spiritual discipline called submission. Lord, in the name of Jesus right now, we pray, God, that you would prepare our hearts and our minds. Pray, God, that you would uh, uh, silence any distractions from either earlier this morning or earlier this week or even right now. Help us to focus in on you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of television channels. I mean, you've got like 15 HBOs, 24 uh, ESPNs. I mean, what? ESPN 1, 2, 3, Classic, uh, U. I mean, it's all over the place. You have HGTV. You have uh, the Big Ten Network. I can watch the Michigan Wolverines croquet team on Big Ten 25. It's fun. Not really. I mean, even it's, though it's Michigan, croquet is not that fun. At McDonald's, they now have 145 different items on their menu. And if they don't have what you want, then you can go to Taco Bell because they have 100 different options and ways to eat hamburger and cheese. There's only so many ways that you can do it, but they're capitalizing on all of them. You know, I can go on Amazon.com and I can... You know, put dozens of books that I would like to buy on my wish list. And then I can wait until it comes down to the price that I want. And I can even, you know, get it in the condition that I want. I can get it as new. Or if I don't want to read the entire book, I can get one that's already highlighted for me. I've never done that, ever. In our culture, if we need something, there are a thousand different options. We can usually get exactly what we want when we want it. You know, the average person makes 612 decisions in one day. 612 decisions. And yet, as we talked about last week, we only spend, an average person spends 17 minutes a day thinking. That's it. Out of all these decisions, we spend 17 minutes thinking. We often make decisions based on what we want, but not always what is best. We don't always think through the consequences. Today, we're going to continue our sermon series called The Way of the Warrior. Because we believe we live in a broken, imperfect world. However, we have hope. Our name is Red Church. Red is short for redemption because all of us, when you put faith in Christ, we have redemption. We can be redeemed from our past because sin separates us from God. 
But we believe that God wants to partner with you and with myself to impact our culture to bring about that redemption for other people who have not found it yet. We believe that God wants us to be co-workers to bring about that redemption. 1 Corinthians 3.9 tells us that. See, the role that he has for you, the role that he has for me, it's a vital role for this world. In our culture, we tend to glorify the loner warrior. If you think about uh, the biggest names out there, one of them is Batman and one of them is Wolverine. They are two of the top five most published comic book characters. And they're loners. And then you have John Wayne or Rambo. In our culture, what we are told is individual, individualism is the best. He who is on his own is the ideal that we should shoot towards because that's cool. That's real strength when you can do it on your own. Guys are told that from a very young age. You don't need emotions. You can do it on your own. Be a guy. Suck it up. However, the truth is, is that the isolated loner hero is in great danger. And it's not because of his arch nemesis. You know, studies show that elderly are twice as likely to die when they're isolated versus those who actually are a part of a community. Isolation presents, think about this, isolation, when you are detached from community, isolation is just as dangerous for your health as smoking. It's twice as bad for you than obesity. When we are isolated, when we are not connected to deep relationships, it affects us. We are more likely to have type 2 diabetes, uh, uh, chances of arthritis and heart disease. All of these skyrocket when we are isolated. Loneliness has doubled since the 1980s. Forty percent of adults in two recent studies have said that they are isolated. They are lonely. It used to be 20% in the 1980s. How is that possible in a culture where we have so many different accesses to communication? We as a culture have made it clear through our actions that individualism is the goal. Be yourself. Don't listen to anyone. Do your own thing. And yet, the results are deadly. There's a reason why I believe that people are drawn to movies like Lord of the Rings and Avengers. Because deep down, we all have a heart to be a part of something bigger than ourselves where we have a role to play. I think this is one of the many reasons that people are drawn to the Christian faith. Because you can become a part of something with a long history that's living, that's real. And you can make an impact. Now, we often feel that we can't because of our past or because of our issues or because, you know, I'm too old or too young. But God is it no matter who. He ha- God makes it a practice to use people that no one ever thinks can be used. Gideon was the lowest of the low. David was young when he took on Goliath. He has a track record of using the broken. Moses was a murderer. David was an adulterer. God can use you. Yes, even you. Even me. But one of the biggest barriers to this is our natural ability to keep our focus on us, our stuff, what we want, 
what we think, how we feel. I have a question for you today. If you came in with a sense of heaviness or a burden today, and you knew you could leave without that burden, how many would take that option without even knowing what that option is? Because this morning you have that opportunity. You have that opportunity to leave that burden here and leave without it. And before you say amen, you might want to hear what that means and what that entails. I present to you this Sunday morning. Jesus gives us the chance to follow in his footsteps. Each of us are invited to release the heavy burden of always having to get our way. How do we do that? Through the spiritual discipline of submission. There is perhaps no other spiritual teaching that is more abused than submission. Probably no other spiritual teaching that is misinterpreted or misconstrued. At the same time, when submission is not active in our lives, it is very, very destructive. Martin Luther once said, A Christian is perfectly free Lord of all and subject to none. And then he says, a Christian is perfectly dutiful servant to all, subject to all. Our desire to get what we want is actually soul-consuming. It is a bondage. Many times our selfish pursuits are like handcuffs. The need to get what I want, when I want it. I want someone to agree with my point of view. I want that job right now. I want them to treat me this way. And when we don't get what we want, we fume, we stew, we pout, we become passive-aggressive. And yet the truth is that many of the things we're consumed with just aren't that important. Many of the things we fight for really are not that important. We're called to be submitted to others. Even Jesus was submitted. He says this in Luke twenty-two forty-two, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus showed us the way. Not my will. He showed us that all of us need to exercise the spiritual discipline of submission. If you would turn with me to Hebrews thirteen seventeen, Today, we're going to be dealing with some of the more challenging verses in Scripture. Because they're the ones in our culture that we often reject. Hebrews 13, 17 starts with this. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. Let them who, who do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be no advantage to you. Jesus sets an example. He submitted to God the Father. And Hebrew scripture tells us to obey, to submit And don't make the leaders groan. Help them, you being there, be a joy. Now, how many of us, if we're honest, that our bosses, our teachers, anybody that's in any kind of leadership over us, how many of us would say, you know what, our bosses, our teachers would say, you know, it's a joy to have them. It's a joy to be a leader in their lives. How many would say that? The burden we carry of desiring, craving, and fighting for what we want is rarely more obvious than our view towards authority. How we talk about leaders, how we treat them, how we respond to them often speaks louder about us than them. 
Being a leader isn't easy. For those of you in a leadership position, raise your hand if you're a leader, a teacher, somebody in a, a, le- a position of leadership to some capacity, raise your hand. Being a leader is not always easy. It's often a sacrifice. And you know, Scripture tells us in James 3, don't quickly pursue leadership because those in leadership are judged more strictly. Scripture here in Hebrews says that we have to give an account. See, submission frees us from always having to get our way. It opens the door to humility, which is paramount in God's eyes. You see, submission does two very powerful things. One, as we mentioned before, it frees us from the burden of having to get our way. But two, it is a prerequisite for promotion in God's eyes. If you look through Scripture, the people who submitted, he raised them up because promotion comes from God, not from man. I once heard a pastor say, until you have served someone else's vision, you have no right to ask someone to serve yours. The best leaders are often the best followers. The person who can't lead or can't follow someone, and it doesn't mean they're a natural born leader. If they can't follow anyone, that's something completely different. David, one of the greatest leaders that we can see in scripture, he honored Saul, who did not deserve to be honored. And yet, David was raised up. He was promoted. Elisha submitted to Elijah, and he had a double portion of the miracles that Elijah did. His ministry was twice as effective as Elijah's. Timothy served under Paul, and he became a pastor himself. Jesus honored God the Father, and he was exalted above all other people. Jesus is the highest name. You know, I have a very close friend who's extremely talented. And there's no, on the surface, there's no reason why this person should not be really successful, but he's not. And I can chalk it up to one thing. He has never been willing to really submit anywhere. He goes to a place when he doesn't get what he wants. He goes to another place, to the next place. He's never anywhere long enough to actually plug in under any leadership. And if you were to ask him, he'd be like, well, I haven't found anybody to trust yet. That's an issue. That's his issue. And until he does... It's a pattern in his entire life. He goes in and out of cycles. Submission tempers our pride. And there's nothing more dangerous to someone in power that does not have humility. One of the reasons that God raises up the humble is because there's a trust factor there. Because people who are in leadership that are not trustworthy, who are not humble, that are prideful, they're dangerous. 1 Peter 5.5 says this, Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Hear that. God opposes the, the proud. Many people avoid submission for two reasons. Usually if someone, when you hear the word submission, you, there's usually two reasons. One, the person just wants to do their own thing. They don't want anybody to tell them what to do because they don't have the right. They're an individual. They have the free will to do whatever they want. That is a very dangerous place to be. And if that is you today, I urge you, please, to ask God. You might not feel like it right now, but ask God, God, please change my heart. I don't feel like I need anybody. But I'm open to you changing my heart. Just pray those things. Pray that prayer. 
Because you do not want to be the person who is living in pride for two reasons. God resists. He opposes the proud. When we are prideful, we are literally making ourselves enemy of God. And the other reason is pride comes before the fall. So if we're doing it and we think we can do it all, we are setting ourselves up for a big time failure. Now there's a second reason that many people don't do it and who, who reject submission. And this is largely due because of a hurt from someone in leadership in the past. It would be a father or a husband or a wife or a teacher or a pastor. There's somebody in leadership that has hurt us and it keeps us from ever going there and ever trusting again. The first rejection of submission, that leads to a self-focused, egotistical life. The second one, where you think that you're nobody, leads to self-hatred. That's not what submission is. Submission is not, I'm a nobody. I'm, I'm nobody, so you lead me because I know nothing. Grovel, grovel, grovel. That's not bi- biblical submission. If anything, we don't lose our identity. We find our identity for the first time. Paul, he was an influential man, but until he found Christ, he did not really identify who he really was. After he came to the church, he became one of the most influential people in the history of the world. If you look at history, Apostle Paul is revered even with people from philosophy and non-Christian backgrounds. Submission reveals who we really are for the first time. I can speak this for myself. I was a loner. I could do things on my own, and I was used to it. I'd go to church, but I'd never plug in, because I did not want anybody telling me anything what to do, or even giving me any, any kind of advice. But we submitted to a ministry, and that God used that to what we're doing right now. And God is revealing, even to myself and Erica, some of the things in our hearts that we never even realized. Submission is not something that beats you down as a nobody, but actually reveals how God is really making you and what he really has for you. What does that look like? Well, it's easy for the unsaved person. When the unsaved person goes, you know, I am going to stop living life how I want to, and I want to start living life how Jesus wants me to. Now, for those who are, have a personal relationship with Jesus, that reflects how we live. I have a close friend who is very intimate relationships with, with a very well-known celebrity. This well-known celebrity started off wanting to be an example for his faith, wanted to do things the right way. And the thing is, is he got every single thing that he ever wanted. And now his life is falling apart. If I mentioned his name, everybody in this room would know exactly what I'm talking about. Getting what we want is not God's promise to us. He got everything. This guy got everything he wanted and his life is falling apart. That is not God's promise to us that we will get everything that we want. Because sometimes getting what, our, what we want is our downfall. The man who wants to commit adultery because he wants to be with his other woman brings death, does not in the long run, brings death. When you want something and you can't afford it, but you pay for it anyways, it brings death. 
to your finances. March 8.34 says this, And calling to the crowd, calling to him with his disciples, he said, this is Jesus, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Verse 36, For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his own soul? It doesn't say when we follow Jesus, we get everything we want and everyone will agree with us and our way is the only way. It doesn't say that. You know, the litmus test to whether our hearts were actually playing out uh, submission in our hearts, in our lives, is how we respond to the leaders that are in our lives. So let me ask you this. This is the question I want to ask all of us today. How do you respond when you are told no? How do you respond when you're told no? In a society where we should get everything we want and we often can, how do we respond when we don't? Do we get upset? Do we accuse them because they didn't give us what we want? Do we try to intimidate or manipulate? Or do we believe we're worthless? Go into depression. How we respond when we are told no often reveals our character. I'll say that again. How we respond when we are told no often reveals our true character. Each of us are invited to release the heavy burden of always getting our way. Here are three aspects to the spiritual discipline of submission. Number one, adopt a spirit of submission. It does not come naturally. We have to adopt a spirit of submission. 1 Peter 2.18, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. That's a tough scripture. It's a tough pill to swallow. Be subject, listen to, obey, submit to the good ones, and even if they're not so good. You can follow an order and actually do what you're told, but inside have a heart of rebellion. When you're at work and your boss tells you to do something, you can do it, you can get the job done, but inside you can be in complete rebellion. I can't stand them. Why are they doing this? They're not doing it the right way. They didn't talk to me the right way. For a Christian, a spirit of submission is a non-negotiable. It's non-negotiable. We should have a heart of submission. Now, this does not mean that we have to obey every order. That does not mean that we are robots where we just kind of are automatons where we go, you know, and follow these different things. There are limits to submission. And in a moment, we're going to talk about limits to biblical submission. However, having a spirit of submission comes down to how we view people. An attitude of submission is not just for your leaders. That's often a misconception. The attitude of submission is for all people. It's letting go of our need to get our way. To have an attitude of submission helps us, frees us to see people how Christ saw them. Think about this. When Jesus worked with people, He did not see them as roadblocks that got in the way of what they wanted, of what he wanted. He didn't see them as roadblocks to what he wanted. And that's how we often view people. Good people help us get what we want. Bad people get in the way of our objectives. 
Often, the person at work that doesn't kind of buy into the ideas that we have, roadblock. That family member who's just a little bit off, roadblock. That, that individual at church, they don't do the thing that you want them to do, roadblock. You don't get what you want, roadblock, they're bad, they're evil. Jesus had a chance to view people's hearts, their struggles, how they became the people they are. He was not blind to his selfish motives. Think about it. When we drive, and that person in front of you is going way too slow, and you're sitting there and you're questioning their motives completely, they're doing it on purpose. This person is probably a person that you should not even be driving. I mean, honestly, who in their right mind actually drives the speed limit? Amen. And yet we don't really know. We just know they're keeping us from where we need to be. They're a roadblock. When you have a heart of submission, you're able to do what we are asked to do in Matthew 5.54. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's an attitude of submission. We don't always have to get what we want. Having an attitude of submission is all throughout Scripture. Even the slow driver. Peter was corrected by Paul. Now think about this. Peter was the top dog and he got corrected by Paul. Yet he actually listened. That's an attitude of submission. Ephesians 5.21 Submitting one to another out of reverence for Christ. We are to have a heart of submission not because our leaders are always right or because we agree but out of respect for Jesus. Because we're a reflection of him. I once had a teacher. How do I say this without giving too much away? I had a teacher, and we were supposed to be working on a project together, but things changed, and I had to pull out because the schedules changed. Well, his reaction was way in left field. I mean, he he switched like a switch. I've never seen him before. He got angry and almost violent and started saying things that were very cursing at me. And he got to where he was was trying to physically threaten me. And I had this thought in my mind. There was a part of me when he was saying these things is I wanted to throw him out the window. My my natural human self. But I thought, no, that's not the right thing to do. It was hard because my natural reaction, I really, especially when he tried to intimidate, you know, I was young and I really wanted to answer that call. But I left, gave it some time and room, and then I came back. We actually had a good conversation. And I realized, even before we talked, he was under an immense stress, and they really wanted me to be part of this project because uh, they wanted me, because uh, what, what they were asking me to do, I, I actually did very well. But I couldn't do it because of the change in schedule. So I saw in his perspective there was a lot of heat on him. Instead of sitting there going, he's a horrible person, and demonizing him, which I was doing initially, I took enough time to go, you know what? He's going through some stuff right now. And you know, now we're actually very, very good friends. We have to lay down the burden of always getting our way and adopt the heart of submission. Number two, reflect Christ in everything. Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now, I'm going to read some of the most abused and misinterpreted and 
complicated scriptures, most argued about scriptures in the Bible. But I want you to listen to what it says and what it doesn't say. Verse 18, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. 19, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, a.k.a. slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not just with eye service, not as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Then it says this, Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing you too have a master in heaven. Now to understand these verses, you must understand the culture of that time. Slaves had no rights. They were property. Women had virtually no legal standing in all intents and purposes. We would view them almost as property as well. They had almost no legal standing. The Bible is not saying that God endorses these institutions. In fact, Christianity did more for the freeing of slaves and equality of women than any other movement in the history. Now, some people misuse that, but before Christ came, women were not allowed to worship with men. Divorce, when Jesus says don't divorce, that's not because he's a prude. It was actually a protection for women. Because back then, men could just throw them to the side and they don't, when you don't have legal standing, what do you do to survive? This was a protection that Jesus put down. And Paul says here, when he says he makes two claims here that we often ignore that are very, very important. He even encourages later on in another book of the Bible for a slave owner to allow the slave who's, uh, slave who's come to know the Lord to see him as a co-equal and forgive his debts. Christianity did more for the freedom of people than any, than any other movement ever. However, in this case, Paul is trying to, to honor the government of that time. He makes two revolutionary statements. Number one, he gave those in lower standing with no position, he gave them a choice. They're usually never given a choice. And he says this, to those who have no rights, honor those you were leading, that lead you. Honor them. Have an attitude of submission. Not because it is fair. Not because you don't deserve better. Not because this is as good as it will get. But because you are glorifying Christ in your submission. Now Paul does this himself. He is arrested unjustly multiple times. He is flogged. What we would call many other things that he was done. Which we would call torture today. All these things. And he always had an attitude of respect towards those in authority. So he's not just talking about it. He's doing it. But then, he speaks to the people of power. And he challenges the culture of that day. He says this, Husbands, love your wives. They're not just property. If you look at 1 Corinthians, how he defines love, that's a tall order. To love your wife like Christ loved the church is super hard. Jesus died for the church. Husbands, love your wives. Be willing to lay down your life Look at what her needs are. Don't just, she is not someone you can just sweep under the rug. Love your wives. Fathers, don't provoke your kids. Don't run your homes like tyrants. Masters, treat your bondservants fairly and justly because remember, 
you too have a master. This challenges the culture of that day. Basically what he says is, when you find yourself in a position with a leader over you, have an attitude of submission. But the Bible says to work as if you're working for God himself, ultimately. If you have a job, you don't like your boss, work not to please your boss. Work to please your heavenly father. He sees all things. But he also says those in leadership, be fair, be just, because you too have a master. When you know someone is accountable, someone reacts a little bit differently than those who don't have any accountability at all. The bottom line, bottom line is this. We are responsible for what we do, not for what everyone else does. We often do not get to choose our lot in life. We can choose our attitude and how we respond to our situations. If you're a leader, reflect Christ. If you're not a leader, reflect Christ. Even if things are not fair, reflect Christ. Now there's, that being said, that does not mean you have to do everything a leader says. There's limits to submission. We're going to talk about that real quick. Even Paul, in chapter 16, he challenges the leaders because they're asking them to do something that's not right. What are the limits? One, if it's temporary. What I mean by that is this. If you have a job, some people take an extreme that, well, you need to be submitted and you can never leave. That's not, what, that's not accurate. We live in a country where you can actually change jobs. And that's okay. But to have an attitude of submission is, while you're there, you have an attitude of respect. Work hard. And then when you transition out, have an attitude of submission. That means don't leave them hanging. Don't back out at the last minute. Give them as much notice as you possibly can. Do that respectfully, because often how you end something plants the seeds for the next season of your life. So if you end poorly, you're not planting good seed. Another limitation is if it's illegal. First Peter 2.13 uh, tells us to obey the laws. If it's illegal and your boss asks you to cheat or fudge the rules, you are not required to follow that. If it is immoral... Paul says in Acts 24 that he tries to become blameless in the eyes of man and in the eyes of God. If it's something that's immoral, you don't have to do it. Husbands, you can't ask your wives to do something that go against their personal conscience and can't sit there and go, well, respect me and submit to me. That's out of bounds. Another limitation is if it's destructive, if it can cause great harm. An example of this is, this is a sad story. I had a student who came up to me one, da- one time, and he was in tears. Because his father had been making him grow and sell drugs. And he felt guilty about it. But his father would use scripture saying, the Bible says you have to obey your parents. So he was conflicting because he felt badly about it, but he didn't want to disappoint God or disappoint his father because he's supposed to honor God by honoring his father. It's out of bounds. It's illegal. It's immoral. And it's destructive. That's out of bounds. Now, he's still obligated to have an attitude of submission and honor his father. Not sitting there and saying, if someone does something wrong, I'm not doing that. You're a jerk. That's out of bounds. We still honor people in authority, even when they don't deserve it. We honor the position if we can't honor anything else. But in that case, he's not obligated to obey that. Number three, know where to submit. 
I'm going to go through these really quickly. It says, First Peter 2.13, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. And there are six key areas. Number one, submit to God. Number two, submit to Scripture. Is God really our number one? Do, do we allow Scripture to be our compass for our life? Number three, our families. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Wives, show respect to your husbands. Kids, honor your parents. Parents, don't provoke your kids. We're to have an attitude of submission to each other. Remember, it's not always just getting our way. Churches. In the culture of the early church, the strongest form of authority came in the local, it was spiritual authority. We've often lost that, but all of us need to be submitted into a local church. Work. We've already talked about having an attitude of submission. Work as if we're working towards God. And then the last one is our government. In our country, we have the freedom to disagree, but do so respectfully. You know, the great thing about our country is if you don't like a guy, four years later, you can vote someone else in. But regardless, we should have an attitude of submission, of respect for those leaders and authority, even if they're not our guy. Jesus gives us the chance to follow in his steps. Each of us are invited to release the heavy burden of always getting our way. Submission brings freedom. And it also brings favor from God. James 4, 6. It's important because we and our culture don't like to be told what to do. Ever. James 4, 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. This week, let's try to apply this in our lives. If you have your connection card, would you pull that out? Guys, could you put up that the list of the six up there, please? If the connection card, if you wouldn't, please make sure your, your information is correct. But on the back here, when it says next steps, maybe your next step's not there. Maybe you look at this list and rank them. Where do you believe you are out of one to ten? Ten, you're there. One, you are definitely not there. Look at this list. Where would you rank right now? Do you really feel like you're seeking after God? Are you really plugged into a local church? Do you have a bad attitude towards the government? To your boss at work? Rank it one out of ten. And this week, choose one or two of those. God, I want to work on my attitude of submission in this area of my life. Right now, if you would, just write that. Write the area or the two areas you would like to work on. God, help me to know. Maybe this week... If you're not reading Scripture, maybe you dedicate your time to working with Scripture and reading Scripture and applying it to your lives. Or maybe at work, this time, instead of arguing back or having a bad attitude, you do it with a good heart. Put that right here. Write it there and commit all of us this week. How many would work with me? I'm going to do it too. Work with me this week to work on one of these areas that we have a heart of submission. All right? All right. Ms. Esther, would you please come up?
Well, thanks for listening. Um, next episode, we will be rejoining in progress our <laughs> taking way too long series of The Seven Deadly Sins. Uh, Steve, Dr. Jason, and I, all three, will be doing that uh, if scheduling allows. And yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So uh, we will be talking about The Deadly Sin of Lust. So join us next time. And until then, Godspeed. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast, hosted by Ben Avery, Steve MacDonald, and Dr. Jace O'Neill. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. Please join in the conversation by visiting our website, strangersandaliens.com, where you'll find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com, or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangers. Or you can leave us a voicemail on the Strangers and Aliens hotline. Just call 1-804-37-ALIEN and leave your message. And once again, thanks for listening.